Hey everyone, welcome into You Do What here on LJN Radio. I'm your host, Tim Muma. On this podcast, we actually try to check in on a variety of non-traditional jobs to let you know, hey, your skills, your experience can lead you really in any path. Of course, this is part two of our conversation with Rick Feinberg, the press officer and education and outreach coordinator for the American Astronomical Society. He is also an astronomer by trade. So we pick up the conversation in part two, talking about what he really takes pride in and loves about this industry, as well as trying to bust some myths about astronomy. What would you say then for yourself if you were you know, pitching this profession to somebody? What is it really that you love that really gets you going there? You really take pride in with what you're doing? More than anything else, it's the subject matter. You know, the fact that, that we're thinking about such exciting things as, as the evolution of the solar system and our place in the galaxy. I mean, you know, I look at the pictures. Uh, my, my office wall is covered with pictures. Every website I go to, every magazine I read, it's filled with these inspiring images of, of you know, galaxies whose light took billions of years to get here and show up on the page. It's just, you know, it makes you think about your place in the universe in, in a much bigger way than if you just worry about, you know, where's my next meal coming from and, and uh, what do I have to, you know, which bills do I have to pay? I mean, sure. all that stuff's important, too. Uh, but it's nice to be able to step outside of ordinariness and be able to think about much bigger, more more interesting things. Uh, and I'm immersed in that all the time. And, and the other thing that's really fun is that whenever somebody finds out you're an astronomer, they start asking all kinds of really interesting questions. And it's just <laughs> so much fun to have these conversations with people. Uh, as I said before, everybody's interested in astronomy. And as soon as they know they've got a live astronomer, uh, they just can't stop asking questions. And, and they're the same questions that we've all been asking. And it's fun to, to engage people on it. So you're saying if you're uh, hanging out at a party, you, uh, you end up having a, a big group by you sort of asking all these questions? That's right. That's right. I guess fact, that's not a bad thing. <laughs> no, no, there's a funny joke, actually. Uh, it says if you, um, if, you know, a, a lot of astronomers are, are physicists at heart or have a physics degree as well, uh, as I do. So uh, the joke is that if you get on an airplane and you uh, and you and you don't mind talking to the person next to you, you can introduce yourself in a, as an astronomer. But if you really don't want to talk to the person next to you, just tell them you're a physicist. <laughs> Even though you're one and the same, really. Let's be honest. That's right. But but <laughs> if they hear physicists, they're not going to start asking all the questions because they they most people don't even really understand what physics is. Yeah, I, uh, astronomy. Astronomy instantly. That's a conversation starter. Sure, sure. Yeah, I, uh, I'm. I'm not going to pretend to know everything or much about physics either. So I'll leave that to you, smart people. How about anything you don't like about the job or the industry? Maybe something you would change or you find extremely. I mean, it's challenging, obviously, in figuring out these big answers. But anything you would just say, ah, oh, you know, that's a, that's a frustration, or I would love to change this. Well, I suppose the biggest one is the uh, constant challenge that, that we have to justify our existence to funding agencies, you know, NASA and the National Science Foundation, the federal government. That's where most of the money for scientific research comes from. It's very easy to justify uh, cancer research or heart disease research, mm -hmm. things like that. You know, with a tight economy, it's harder to convince Congress that they should fund astronomy. So if I could change anything, it would be that everyone takes it for granted that, uh, that scientific research and science education uh, are so important that we have to fund them adequately and make sure that, uh, you know, that we have lots of people working in these fields all the time. Uh, the fact that it is often hard to get the funding 
uh, means that there's a fair amount of competition for you know relatively scarce jobs right. often, and so that can make it tough on on younger people who are trying to get into the field. Are there any myths that maybe you hear or people bring up in terms of of the idea of astronomy, or again, as you mentioned, maybe sort of having to prove yourselves and why your organization or why you exist as a as, a, as an industry? Uh, is there anything out there that sort of maybe is a uh, bad reputation or anything like that? I wouldn't say bad reputation. There certainly are some myths. Uh, the most obvious one is when you mention that you're an astronomer, people assume that you spend all your time looking through telescopes. And right. uh, in fact, that's rarely the case. It, it's more true of amateur astronomers because they have their own telescopes and they can use them whenever they feel like it. Professional astronomers have to uh, apply for telescope time because there's a small number of big telescopes scattered around the world and they have to compete to get the scarce time that's available. So uh, typical, even an observational astronomer might actually only spend uh, half a dozen nights a year at the telescope. And then they don't look through them. They use uh, sensitive electronic cameras and spectrographs and other instruments. So that's the most obvious myth. Another one is that astronomers are all white men. Um, that <laughs> certainly was, was, uh, was true in this country for, you know, for many years, but that was a long time ago. When I go to an American Astronomical Society meeting now, it's getting close to 50-50 in terms of male and female. And there's a lot more people of African-Americans, Hispanics, um, Asian-Americans. There's a lot of people uh, from all backgrounds getting into astronomy and, and all sciences. So it's, it's a much more diverse group uh, than a, a typical person thinks of when they think of scientist or astronomer. Well, it's definitely good to hear, and especially for listeners out there, because we, we do a lot of shows like this, and we obviously do our research, and it talks about how when, when people don't feel there are uh, individuals that are like them in an industry, they tend to shy away from it, which obviously doesn't help with that diversity side of things. So it's it's, it's great of you to, to mention that and bring that up and, and dispel that myth that, hey, probably was the case 30 years ago, but it's definitely changed at this point. So I think that's a great point to bring up. Uh, for yourself, I, originally I was going to ask, you know, what, what do you think you'd be doing if you hadn't got into this? But obviously it's been something that's been a passion of yours um, since you were young. I mean, extremely young, really. Did you ever have any doubts? Did you ever think of going elsewhere? What, you know, something in, you know, physics more focused in that side of things? Uh, I guess what was sort of your, your mental process as you were looking into getting into the industry? Well, there's a very obvious answer that I have to give you, which is that like many of my colleagues, you know, we all wanted to be astronauts. Yeah, we all I, wanted to fly in space. <laughs> I didn't want to, I didn't now, want to just ask that, but I figured that no, had to be somewhere okay, in there. That's okay. There, and, and in fact, uh, quite a few of the people who are in, in the American Astronomical Society are astronauts. You know, okay. the guy who, I mean, it, it, that's been one of the fun things in my career has been, even though I was uh, not qualified to be an astronaut, mainly because of my eyesight, I was uh, nevertheless uh, have throughout my career had an opportunity to uh, interact with, with astronauts, uh, less in the old days when astronauts were all pilots, but much more in recent years, you know, in the space shuttle era, because many of the astronauts who've flown have been scientists. And in particular, you know, there have been astronomer astronauts who've serviced the Hubble Space Telescope, which is something uh, that I wrote about a lot in the 1990s when I was working at Sky and Telescope magazine. The guy who runs NASA's science mission directorate right now is a former Hubble serviceman. Um, the guy who runs NASA is, uh, was an astronaut who helped launch the Hubble Space Telescope. Mm -hmm. So there are certainly astronauts uh, in, who are astronomers and many other kinds of scientists too. 
but of course, you know, that's a dream that most of us aren't going to achieve. If there was anything else I, I could have done, would have done, I, I think I would have always ended up in science because I just became so passionate about it. Sure. The earliest work I did uh, when I was in college and just getting into astronomy, you know, professionally, uh, was working on the Aurora Borealis, um, you know, the Northern Lights, mm-hmm. where I was involved in a project where we uh, built a, a rocket payload that was launched in Alaska uh, to fly up through the aurora and sample the uh, protons and electrons and other particles that cause the aurora to glow. So, you know, that's a different kind of space science, not astronomy exactly, but it was something that was very exciting to me. I'm sure I would have ended up in in some aspect of astronomy or space exploration, uh, even if I hadn't become a professional astronomer. People listening are going to be thinking, especially if they do have a, a strong passion, obviously like you do, it clearly comes across. Uh, they think, well, okay, I go to school for this and I take extra time PhD and all that stuff. They are going to wonder, okay, financially is this beneficial? I know you can't, and I know you can't speak to every single position and the different aspects, but in general, can you give sort of a ballpark of, of what you're looking at in compensation? And, and a lot of times, maybe it's just, it's not necessarily a monetary thing, but there's more that goes into it. But what would you sort of put out there so that, so that people have an idea of what they would be getting into if they really wanted to put in the full workload, you know, like you did and, and get, get all those advanced degrees that they'd be looking to? Sure. I, can, I mean, I can give you some numbers that are, you know, that are basically public because the American Institute of Physics, which is an umbrella organization of which the American Astronomical Society is a part, uh, does statistical research. It does sur- surveys on people's earnings and on their uh, their education and various other things. So, uh, so I was just looking on the AIP uh, statistics site this morning just to remind myself of what kind of information is there. And there's definitely uh, plenty of salary information. And so, well, first of all, I should say nobody goes into astronomy for the money. I mean, right. you know, it's, sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that aside, uh, there's no reason for any astronomer to worry that they're going to spend their life, you know, uh, scrambling for to, for every last penny. A typical astronomer's career is likely to take them to a university or to a national lab or something like that. So, you know, you're talking about people who are, you know, college professors. So, you know, they make decent money. I mean. The first job when you finish graduate school is typically what's called a postdoc or a postdoctoral research position. Typically one to three years where you go to another research institution, typically a university, and you work on a project for a few years. And then, you know, after that, maybe you get a job as an assistant professor. Mm-hmm. Typical starting salaries for postdocs these days are in the neighborhood of $50,000 a year. Okay. So it's not, you know, it's not really lucrative, but it's not terrible. Right. And then, uh, Typical college professors or, you know, I'm, I mean, a college professor, a full professor typically earns in the low hundreds. So, um, you know, it's a reasonable salary. It's nothing like being the CEO of General Electric, but it's uh, <laughs> certainly respectable and you can and you can raise a family. We're getting low on time here, but I, I, there are a couple of things and one that just popped in my head and, and you know, I don't want to put you on the spot too much, but as part of maybe that myth piece, there's the discussion between astronomy versus astrology. And, and how they uh, coincide or, or don't really play together. How would you describe the differentiation between those two ideas? Well, um, astrology isn't science. Astrology and astronomy diverged many hundreds of years ago uh, once it became clear during the scientific revolution that the universe behaves according to certain physical laws. Mm-hmm. And astrology uh, 
in the 21st century is nothing more than a leftover superstition. <laughs> I think some people do really connect the two and, and maybe it's more people are into the astrology aspect of it and they want it to be more scientific. I'm not really sure, but uh, it does come up oh, when, yeah, when I yeah. have conversations. No, no I, I, I never mind talking about astrology. Um, a lot of people, when they find out I'm an astronomer, the first thing they ask is, what's your sign? Or can you <laughs> tell me my horoscope? Because they don't realize there's a difference between astronomy and astrology. Sure. The thing about astrology as most people encounter astrology today, it's in the horoscope in the newspaper. Mm -hmm. And the astrology columns in the newspaper are full of really, really good advice. Okay. I don't dispute that at all. Uh, the only thing I would argue is that, uh, that none of that advice has anything to do with the position of the sun, moon, or planets. It's just really good advice. <laughs> Again, you've given us a ton of information and advice and just the thought and then the understanding that there are so many different avenues. If you are interested if you have a strong passion for the astronomy side, or if you, you mean, even casually, you can get into different fields. Is there anything else you would want to let our listeners know, whether maybe they're looking into a career, maybe they're looking in some sort of career change or a path in a different way? What would you really want to let them know if they're looking to get into this profession and, and really dive in to an extent that maybe not quite to yours, but in some area? Well, one thing I love to tell people is, look, if you're interested in astronomy, there are so many different ways you can get involved from just reading about it because there's tons of great popular books and other information out there to becoming an amateur astronomer, getting yourself a telescope, joining an astronomy club, to taking adult ed classes. Uh, most, most adult ed programs will offer an astronomy course because there's always local astronomers, local amateur astronomers who are willing to teach such courses. So if you're at a point in your life where you're not likely to go back to school and, you know, and, and get a physics degree or, or get a doctorate, uh, you can still get into astronomy you know, from the amateur side. If you're young and you're seriously thinking about astronomy or any science, you know, just make sure that you're taking plenty of science and math courses and keeping your options open. Uh, most undergraduate science programs look very similar it's only when you get into the advanced years in, in college and start thinking about graduate school that you really have to make sure that you're taking, you know, specific types of courses that will prepare you for a specific subdiscipline within science. But if you start out in chemistry, you can switch to physics after a couple of years. If you start out in physics, you can switch to biology after a couple of years. But if you start out in English and history, uh, you're not likely to be able to switch without having to spend a few extra years in school. Well, unfortunately, we are out of time here on LJN Radio and You Do What? Our guest today has been astronomer Rick Feinberg, the press officer and education and outreach coordinator for the American Astronomical Society. Rick, we definitely appreciate the look behind the scenes and really an understanding of the, the different facets of astronomy. So thank you for coming on today. You're very welcome. And as usual, we encourage all of you, our listeners, to send us any comments or suggestions for any of our shows. Maybe you're curious about another type of job. Just shoot us an email at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. That will wrap it up for this edition of You Do What here on LJN Radio. Once again, I'm your host, Tim Muma. Take care, everyone.